welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Dangerous Rhetoric. This is episode 63. And before we get started today, please remember to like, subscribe, hit all the buttons, do yes. all the things. And if you want to financially support the show so that we can get out of New York City, as you can hear in the background, uh, you can make a donation at the links below, Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, all available. Uh, today, today we have Billboard Chris. Billboard Chris is a based Canadian dad standing up against the craziness of gender ideology, going around to different cities all over North America, wearing billboards that say things like children cannot be put over puberty blockers and gender ideology is not for kids. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really a big fan of what you're doing. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I'm happy to be here. Next time I come to New York City, you're going to have to come out on the street with me and have yeah, some conversations. Up. We will do like a little yeah. like on the street thing and we can, I'd love to get some live reactions from people. We're, we're also trying to, uh, like I've been telling all of our guests this, but we're trying to get this place ready. We need to get a third mic and eventually we want to have people, people in the studio yeah, be able to come here in person, sit down with us and do these conversations that way as well. Um, which I think will be a little more productive, but this is also awesome. You know, being able to communicate with people across the world and, all types of countries. We've talked to people from Australia, Canada. So it's been, it's been awesome. So Chris, you've got two young daughters and how did you first like get into, how did you come across this gender ideology, this trans mania that we're seeing now uh, all over Western culture and what kind of like led you to the idea that, Hey, I should put a billboard yeah. on and like and go out in public and just start speaking. And do you identify as a billboard? <laughs> yes yes i identify as a human sandwich board yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a little hard not to become aware of this stuff when you live where i live because vancouver oh canada yeah. is pretty much the epicenter of this maybe for the entire world yeah well this it's, is why i describe it in like a post peterson pre-peterson way when I talk about this stuff now, because if, if him and all that very much brought a huge limelight onto this subject that wasn't there before. And it started in Canada. Yeah. So. yeah, in 2017, they passed a law which made it a crime to discriminate against someone based on their gender identity, which, you know, that sounds fine if you put 0.2 seconds of thought into it. But in reality, what that means is we now have rapists in women's prisons and men in women's sports taking their medals and their scholarships and all the other crazy crap going on. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we got a few crazy people in my backyard here. We've got Jessica Yaniv. Oh, yes. Now, yes. Who is now Jessica Simpson. Probably <laughs> so that when people Google his name, they won't find out. Yeah, all so that, so, that is interesting, Brad. That is we did not know that. That is a new development. Well, Jessica Simpson that. is also a very clever name because that was the one. Yeah. pop singer? No, the no, pop no, star, no. yeah. The pop star, yeah. Oh, there's a pop star? Yeah, there's a singer. I was going to say. Justin Timberlake's ex. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. What was uh, OJ's wife? Wasn't she? Was she Jessica Simpson? No. What's no. her name? Nicole. Oh, Nicole. Nicole Simpson. Nicole Simpson. Right. Wrong yeah. Simpson, Brad. Wrong Simpson. <laughs> oh, Jessica, up to her tricks. But yeah, so, so that, yeah, so that... there's this creep. There's this creep named Jessica Yaniv. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, I actually have court with him next month. He's been charged with trying to, well, uttering threats to kill me, wow. and two counts of public mischief. So there's three different criminal charges against him. Oh my! So, Fascinating. Because he came, he came out on the street where I was one day, and he threatened to kill me, and lied okay. to police and said I was calling in bomb threats to his phone. And 
Oh my! So are these three three charges? Three charges. For involving uttering me? threats. All 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 involving me. Yeah. Okay, so I thought you meant like three on top of the stuff involving like other people, because I know like no, there's the more on top been of that. Legally tied up into things in the past, so I'm surprised uh, she's not in jail. Actually, yeah, me too. I remember the whole taser he, thing. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, we got to stop that shit. Like, come on. It's because yeah. Yeah. he goes by Jessica, so my brain. Yeah, I, yeah, I understand. I, I do it sometimes too. It's a thing, but we we remember when that whole thing happened. Actually, Brent and I saw the exposure of this person take place live we were watching blair's channel at the time and this was very early when we had first kind of stumbled upon blair white's channel and they had that conversation on air and when jessica pulled the taser out and all of that and so we saw that happen live on air we were like this is nuts and then just everything that has happened since then involving this crazy person it it definitely um it vindicates people like you and people like you know, us who've been warning folks, like, look, predators will take advantage of this stuff and use of it. Course. Not saying everyone who suffers from actual has dysphoria and all of that is going to do that. But we are saying they're going to look at this and they're going to see an opportunity and use it and take it. Why? I mean, they? for people out there that don't know, Jessica Yaniv came to controversy because he identifies as a transgender woman and was going to spas and like waxing parlors in the Vancouver area owned by women. These are like women owned businesses and suing them and getting them shut down over complaints that they would not um, they refuse service, to him. refuse service to him basically because he has male genitalia, you know, trans woman, male genitalia, but he was seeking treatments that were specific for females so bikini waxing and yeah. you know that kind yeah, of he thing. wanted he wanted them to wax his balls he yeah. wanted women and, to wax his balls and you're exactly. telling me there's no type of fetish thing there there's nothing oh, like sorry. come on man i'm not okay buying. so let me just clarify this a little bit almost i think there was about 20 women 19 of which were all they were almost all from india originally and most of them worked out of their home right okay. with little kids present oh. so a lot of them barely even spoke english he was calling them strictly to be a shit disturber. Yeah. And when he when they said, oh, sorry, we don't provide these services because you're a gigantic creep, <laughs> he instantly giant. threatened to take them to the Human Rights Tribunal, and he did. So he went to the Human Rights Tribunal, and they heard three of these different cases, and he lost them all, and he was ordered to pay each of those women $2,000 each. Nice. But he's he's constantly out there just causing trouble, He's got the charges against me. He's already been convicted for possession of the tasers because you're not allowed to own those up here in Canada. And there's two other cases ongoing. He punched a reporter in the head outside a outside the courthouse on January 13th, 2020. Yep. Keen Bexty. I was there that day. It's the first day I met little Jessica. Oh dear. And then recently he was in his mother's senior's home and I think he punched an elderly person and pulled the fire alarm and so he's got charges for that. He got all his junk cut off last year, which is great because hopefully that would reduce his aggression a little bit. Yeah. But, but after it, he got it, after it, he got that done, he kept calling the fire department to get him out of the tub. In a two-week span, what the hell? I kid you not. In a two-week span, he called the fire department more than thirty times, and they came every time to get him out of the bathtub. And when you get your balls chopped off, and you get this vaginoplasty, and you get this wound that they call a vagina. Obviously, you're not supposed to take a bath because it increases chance of infection, duh. 
But he kept doing it anyway, and he kept calling the fire department to get him out of the tub, and he was super abusive to the fire department officials. Wow. So the municipality of Langley finally sent him a legal letter saying, we're not going to respond to your calls anymore. Well, I wanted, I, wanted to, I wanted to touch on something really quick, because you mentioned having had the surgery, this will, like, reduce the chances of this person, like, you know, sexually abusing. And well, I think, I think aggression, there's... Aggression. Aggression, yeah. And there's probably some truth to that. But we spoke Maybe. with um, Heather Mason. I don't know if you're familiar with Heather Mason. I know her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we had Heather Mason on, and we talked about the this issue, the trans issue, in regards to prisons. And she did talk about a specific instance of a inmate who ha was post surgery and still was sexually abusing women in, in the prison. So you know, it's not always a telltale yeah. sign if they're post surgery that they won't be you know, predatory towards the people they're imprisoned with the women. Say it so. reduces the, yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. not trying to say that they would be, yeah. but it would, it, obviously it's going to reduce their testosterone, but they're normally on yeah. testosterone blockers anyway. So one would hope that with less testosterone, That's they're less aggressive. I, I felt too. Yeah. But she but was, there's the a bunch of, these are a bunch of crazy people. Yes. So she was the one who actually had to clarify that for me because I, I had made, you know, the statement that, that you had made previously. And she let us know. She was like, well, look, it's, you know, they can still be predatory and sexually abusive in a way that doesn't have to involve um, penetration in that, in that way with that part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so when did you start going out with the billboards, Chris? <laughs> you, so you asked how I got started and we were, we were talking a little bit pre-show you mentioned Posey Brian, Parker in England. Brian, you made it sound like he's like dating them now. Like when did you start going out with the billboards? Oh, <laughs> it's going out in public with the billboards. Yeah. yeah. No, so in September of 2020, I put up a big proper billboard in East Vancouver that said, I love JK Rowling. <laughs> I think I heard of this. Yeah, it no, went a bit viral. I, and I it got paint bombed overnight. And then it got taken down the next day because a Vancouver politician a woman named Sarah Kirby Young, she said it was hate speech. To love J.K. Rowling is hate speech. That is nuts. That well, is nuts. And look, well, I'm yeah, going to Canada. Is it like, had a big heart on it. Yeah. Look, I love J.K. Rowling. I just used hate speech yeah. on this on this show right now. Well, but see, again, the Canadian definition of hate speech is a little bit more flexible, and especially the we don't the, even have one, right? To be it's honest. whatever they. We, you know. There is no such thing. Somebody has a, a mild bad reaction to your feelings or whatever you say. And then it's look, I, I even forgave her for fantastic beasts too. So I do love her. <laughs> like I forgave her for that. That's, that's love. I just watched that. And I saw the most recent one the other day. I'm too. sorry. We haven't They're seen, okay. I haven't seen the new one yet. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Really I can't. Part of me wants to boycott that just because of the whole Johnny thing, you know, but whatever. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. sorry. Continue. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> So anyway, I put up this huge billboard. It got taken down the next day. I um, I wanted it to stay up. I'd actually signed a contract and paid for three months, and I was going to keep it going. I had an option to keep it going, and I was just going to keep it going forever because it would keep generating conversations, but they took it down. So I used the outrage on Twitter, and I leveraged that into a little fundraising campaign, and I ended up putting up billboards in San Francisco, Portland, Los Angeles, all throughout Utah, all throughout the Metro in Washington, D.C., and in Times so, Square. So to be clear, them canceling you resulted, canceling this one billboard, the first one, resulted in more billboards, <laughs> just to be clear here. Yeah, like 40 more. I love 20, 30, something like that. So good. <laughs> um, 
And so because in Canada, things are totally insane and we have no matter what you think of guys for, for ways to raise awareness about this issue in Canada, it's almost impossible. We have no conservative media. None of the media will cover this unless they're calling me a transphobe. Uh, none of the politicians, not one politician, not one conservative politician in Canada will address this. I just made some national news a few weeks ago confronting our so-called social conservative, Leslie Lewis, who's running for the leadership of the Conservative Party. She wouldn't answer a question at this uh, campaign event she had. Is she the none one? of them will address any of this. I've been all over Canada. I've talked to school board officials. I've tried to meet with the ministers of education. I've been to Parliament eight times. Wow. I've been all over Canada. I've had my arm broken by Antifa. I've done every possible thing I can do. Damn. And uh, the only thing I could do at the time was literally to go outside with a sandwich board because there is no such thing as hate speech in Canada. We don't have a law like that yet. Trudeau's trying to make it. And it wasn't hate speech, but they can maybe take down a billboard by pressuring the company, but they can't take a sign off my back. So I went out and I realized right away, wow, this is even way more effective than all these big expensive billboards because there's a person behind it. Mm -hmm. And it's way more inspiring to people. And I just started talking to people and I realized very quickly a situation that I already knew was very dire is much, much, much worse than any of us can imagine. Every time a young group of females walks by me, I get grief. Almost every time, 80% of the time. All the young women, 25 and under, going to university, in high school, they've all bought into this. They all yeah. think I'm some terrible bigot because I have a sign that says children cannot consent to puberty blockers. So are you are you familiar with Josh Slocum in the Disaffected podcast? I've been on his podcast and okay, awesome. I, I talk to him fairly regularly. So yeah. he he is also very much convinced, and I think there's truth to this too, based on like your observations or contributing evidence to this, that it very much is mostly women who seem to be pushing this idea. Hundred percent. Yeah. Abigail Schreier wrote a book called Irreversible Damage: The Transgender Craze seducing our daughters. This is affecting girls way more than boys. We've seen about a four or 5,000% increase in the number of girls wanting to transition to be boys. So think about that. It's all these girls transitioning. Why are they doing that? It's Puberty the new, sucks, it's the new right? cutting. Puberty does suck. It's the new cutting. It's the new cutting well, phase. Just, I mean, yeah. we all grew up, you know, we all went through puberty. We all remember it being awkward. And we all knew girls that didn't like the fact that they were getting chests. That, we, that you know that hated it, that were railing against it. And then eventually, you know, they grow up, they, they get through it. It's fine. These are not trans people. These are not people no. suffering from gender dysphoria and it's, it's beyond obvious. And the fact that we have a whole medical establishment just hurting these kids down yeah. this gender change pipeline over something will... rare dysphoria, true dysphoria is rare. It is not a common thing. It is incredibly rare. Well, and there should, I mean, in, in originally when we first started doing like, you know, early sex change surgeries, um, you know, people had to live as the opposite gender for, you know, two years before they could even consider getting a surgery. Now they're giving these surgeries to like minors. Like we're talking like 10, 11, 12 year old kids. Yeah. It's, it's, it's insane. And then basically you see, handing them out like candy. And then you see the, the social media element to it where these surgeons are now allowed to market their, you know, their 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 service directly to kids through like things like TikTok and mm -hmm. Snapchat, and there are uh, already there's a couple of viral uh, videos of 
you know, surgeons who are, you know, doing that regularly. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely there's an element to this. I think that is a phase for a lot of these young folks. They just have not quite realized that. And what they have not quite realized yet is unlike cutting your hair or and dyeing it green, um, you can't just it's not so simple to put your breasts back on. It is not so simple to put your 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 penis back on. These aren't things that are just replaceable. We are not Mr. Mr. Potato Head. You know, it's not how we work. Yeah. So can I clarify some things for a couple minutes here? Go yes. for it. All right. So so this the surgeries that are going on with kids are primarily the double mastectomies. Mm -hmm. They're not doing a lot of genital surgeries on kids under 18. It is happening. Uh, Jazz Jennings of the reality show I Am Jazz okay. had his vaginoplasty at the age of 17 by Dr. Marcy Bowers, who is now the president of the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. But these kids are getting these puberty blocking drugs, which have never been approved by the FDA. There's never been a single clinical trial anywhere in the world about this. This entire thing is arbitrary with no science to back it. But they're getting these drugs as early as what they call Tanner stage two. So that's the very beginning stages of puberty. That's like when a girl's breasts first start to form. They haven't even had their period yet. So for a lot of girls, this is nine, 10 years old. For a lot of boys, maybe a year or two after that. And the whole intention is to keep them looking as androgynous as possible because they don't want any of their secondary sex characteristics to start happening. And this drug has been approved to treat endometriosis in men, prostate cancer in men. And it's the same exact drug. It's usually a drug called Lupron, L-U-P-R-O-N. It's the same exact drug given to pedophiles to chemically castrate them. Yep. But we give this to kids for years. And they're not even doing that for pedophiles anymore because it's deemed inhumane. Yeah. And women that go on this drug only go on, an, on it for a period of six months because the side effects are so harsh. But they'll give this to kids for years. Yeah. I think they also used to give it to homosexuals as a punishment in certain places. Wasn't that the drug? Alan no. Alan... Lupron. It wasn't Alan Turing. Yeah, Alan Turing was chemically castrated. That but it correct. wasn't. Was it Lupron? Yeah, or? it's the same. It's the same sort of drug. There's a few different yeah. names. It's called uh, triptorelin in the UK yeah. and other places. But it's all the same drug. What these drugs are is the technical term for them is they're gonadotropin releasing hormone agonists, which okay. no one needs to remember. But it stops the pituitary gland from releasing luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone, which in turn trigger the testes to release testosterone or the ovaries to release estrogen. Yeah. While they're on this drug, that won't happen. That's just the first step. And they're doing this to kids, little kids that still believe in Santa Claus and think a bunny comes into their house every year and drops chocolate eggs around. <laughs> the second step is they give these kids the opposite sex as hormones. So it's girls getting testosterone, boys getting estrogen. Testosterone for girls, all sorts of terrible side effects. Of course, they're going to grow hair everywhere. They're going to get a beard. They're going to get a deep voice. But they're also having to get hysterectomies after four or five years because testosterone causes vaginal and uterine atrophy. Sometimes they're getting oophorectomies where they cut out their ovaries as well. So now they'll never be able to produce estrogen for the rest of their life if they decide to detransition at some point in the future. This whole thing is just the wild, wild west of unregulated experimental medicine and kids are the experimental subjects. Yeah. And like you guys said, this is a total social contagion. This is a brand new thing affecting these girls and it's because they're having a hard time going through puberty. And as we've seen with other social contagions like bulimia, which used to affect a handful of kids until it was named written about, put in the DSM, then it exploded into millions. This is the exact same thing. And the ultimate coup for these trans activists is getting these teachings into our schools. Because if you're teaching all these kids that they have a gender identity, the next thing they do in school is figure out what their gender identity is. And if you look at resources like the gender bed person, it states that your gender identity is based on your personality, 
likes and dislikes, jobs, hobbies, roles, and expectations. So do jobs determine what gender you are, guys? If a girl wants to be an engineer when she grows up, does that make her a man? No. This definitely. whole thing is sexist and regressive, complete yeah. and utter nonsense. We need to abolish it entirely. Yeah. But first, we do have to start raising awareness because the left has been extremely successful with their propaganda campaign, of, of which they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars on. Thank it's you for letting me rant. No, no it, problem. It's interesting, it's, how, it's interesting how the woke stuff, in one breath, claims to be against, oh, it's a social construct and stereotyping men and women and gender roles and all this stuff. Yet at the same time, when you look at what they're using to base these ideologies they have, right, it's all based on these stereotypes of what it means to be a man or a woman. And if they see some of this behavior, some of these signs in a boy or a girl that typically is associated with the other sex, we just say, oh, well, you must be that. You must be the other sex. It is stereotypical. It, it, and it's contradictory. It's like, dude, you're, literally basing, you're basing this stuff on, on stereotypical things that make a boy or a, a girl, right? So you're also saying there's a binary. Hmm. Well, that's the thing with these ideas <laughs> is that the slightest scrutiny or the slightest you know, critique, and they fall apart. You can't sustain them. It, it, you know, in an honest, open, rational discussion yeah. with adults. So what did they what do they do is they brainwash the teachers, or they really they got into the teaching institutions at the academic level, and then they got the teachers repeating all these these ideas and these practices to kids at the those so they can get them when they're very very young. But it's just amazing to me that they were able to basically occupy the educational the the education of educators for so long that you know we only really got warnings about this you know five to ten years ago and then now it's becoming a serious global problem especially in the west well we just i think part of it is we we had a whole new generation of young folks leave college with this ideology in their heads and then a bunch took of them it into the world. they took it into the world they took it into the classroom a bunch of them ended up you know in the education system of all the different hundred percent this is a cycle. They are the indoctrinated ones. They're the victims. They get out of university. They become the teachers, the counselors. They work in our HR departments. And then they start to become the ones who are pushing this. Like all cults, the victims become the perpetrators and the ultimate recruiters. So while this started with some billionaires and some obscure teachings out of academia, what this is now is a fully fledged religion with millions of adherents and we have a gigantic job on our hands it's going to take years to we'll never eliminate this religion because there are all there will always be true believers but we need to get it out of all our school institutions and we need to get this out of government because right now this is the state religion of many governments across the world it just blows my mind that we were even discussing it and where there's a debate, there's a controversy around it. Because what at its core, what we're talking about is sterilizing children and putting them on, you know, chemicals that are extremely powerful that will shorten their lifespans for what is in theory to treat a mental or an emotional problem. That, you know, when we, if you look at like people like Dr. Kenneth Zucker, he was one of the preeminent specialists in Canada, uh, I think going into like the late 90s at uh, Gender Clinic outside of Toronto. And his whole position was that 
you know, out of the kids that come to him, 80 to 90% will resolve the symptoms on their own. And of those kids, most of them go on to become, you know, well-adjusted homosexuals, uh, whether boys or girls. Yeah. But the now we're taking those kids who have these emotional problems, ignoring their emotional problems entirely and sloughing on this gender treatment, this gender affirming, you know, process, which is just going to cause more problems and reduce their lifespan and, and make them even more depressed and anxious because they're not going to be able to have normal sexual relationship. That potential is just not even going to be there. And how can we let kids that can't even consent to sex consent to signing away their rights to a normal sex life and, and having children in the future. So, yeah. Another irony about all of this, which Brent and I have pointed out before, is that the woke are also very against conversion therapy, which, you know, I don't I don't think well, works they claim either. to be against they it. claim to be against it. And then in the next breath, they're supporting what, in a sense, when you really get down to it and look at it, is turning out to be a form of conversion therapy when you look at the amount of people who are detransitioning and do turn out to just have been homosexuals right when they finally settle into their identity how is this not conversion therapy it kind of looks that way to me it's so. also the standard mm -hmm. in countries yeah. like iran where they live under sharia and it's right. illegal to be homosexual yeah you know, like a lot of the homosexuals there will intentionally transition so that they can live in that society the ones that don't escape anyway but it just blows my mind that this is like we have example in in Iran where we see this happening to young homosexuals, especially like young homosexual men. And now we're doing the same thing over here in the West. It's like this is not the way the way to go. <laughs> yeah, to be gay in Iran is a crime punishable by death, but it's okay to transition. Yeah, and then they can be in a relationship with a man. Yeah. The Iranian women's soccer team has eight men on it. Interesting. <laughs> that is fascinating. And, and I'm and, glad you brought up Ken yeah. Zucker because he's one of the guys that wrote the definition of gender dysphoria in the DSM-5. But speaking of that uh, ratio of how many of these kids would see their gender dysphoria simply go away, uh, it's important to talk about this and then contrast that with what's happening today. So one of the more recent studies we have was one that Ken Zucker was part of, and they followed 139 boys from the age of five, six, seven years old all the way into their 20s. 87.8% of those boys saw their gender dysphoria just go away. They grew out of it. 64% of them grew up to be gay. And if wow. you look at all the academic studies that have ever been done, and they're all on my website, by the way, billboardchris.com, under puberty blockers and then the studies. If you look at all the studies, they all have similar numbers. 80 to 90% of the time, these kids grow out of this. The majority were gay. But what's happening today is totally different. We can't compare this latest craze to these historical numbers because this used to affect one out of several thousand boys, far less than that for girls. Now you get high schools where seven to 10% of the kids say they're transgender. Mm. And it's almost all girls. It's three quarters of the kids showing up these gender clinics are girls, and they always have some other mental health comorbidity going on. Wow. 35% of all the kids that went to the Tavistock, which is the only gender clinic in England, 35% of them were on the autism spectrum. Autism, yep. Wow. ADHD, super common. Abuse trauma who knows what's going on some of these kids are going to grow up to be gay absolutely but it's just all these kids that end up in these gender clinics they're not fitting in they're having a rough time i want to say the numbers of autistic kids are even higher from personal experience talking to hundreds of parents but we're not treating any of these underlying mental health issues anymore we're treating gender as though it is the cause 
of every single problem in these kids' lives. And if you read a, an op-ed that was recently written by Erica Anderson and Laura Edwards Leeper, who are two senior officials at the US Professional Association for Transgender Health, they wrote that more than half the time these kids are getting puberty blockers or hormones on their very first appointment. Any girl can walk into Planned Parenthood today and walk out with a prescription for testosterone. Wow, that's nuts. One appointment. They know nothing about these kids. And it causes irreversible damage. And you were speaking about something else, conversion therapy. So all sorts of states, the entire country of Canada, they now pass these laws, which are called conversion therapy laws. So everyone goes, oh, great. Yeah, we shouldn't be doing conversion therapy. And the transgender lobby is very effective because they piggyback on the good faith that the gay rights movement won by pretending that their movement is about the same thing. Yes. And in all of these bills, they always include, we shouldn't try to convert people based on their sexual orientation, which almost everyone agrees with, and their gender identity. These are two totally separate things. But in Canada now, it's a crime to help your girl feel comfortable as a girl, punishable by up to $2 million fine and five years in prison. No. It's totally fine to take a girl and convince her that she's a boy. That's not conversion therapy. But to then help her be comfortable as a girl then is a criminal offense. This is all over the states as well. And if your state hasn't already stopped it, it's coming, I guarantee. Because there's activists spending hundreds of millions of dollars a year from all these LGBT organizations trying to pass these laws. And we shouldn't even refer to the LGBT as a community anymore. These are totally different things. There's LGB and then there's the TQ+. And the TQ+, are the people who aren't living in reality. Yeah, we, we agree with that, actually. And we have very much been speaking along those lines on this show. And we even take it a little further. Even the LGB is not as clear-cut of an intersecting community. It intersects, but it's not a community. It's, there is, they're not, not a community. We're not lesbians a, don't hang out with gay men. No, lesbians and gays do not get well, along. Well, I mean, I have a couple dogs. lesbian friends, and but that's yeah, important but you're you're exceptional but my point is that lends to the point i'm gonna make here which is why most of us don't hang out together we hang out in our own groups is that our experiences are vastly different and it's the same with a bisexual person their experience is going to be a different experience than someone who's gay or lesbian so there is no lgbtqia community that is not a thing it is a a, a political <clears throat> tool used for slogans for smoke you know, propaganda is is. yeah smoke yeah. Yeah. yeah and they want to add the p in there <laughs> trying to get the p in there well, they've been trying to they've been trying to slip that little p in there for Stop. a long time nambla <laughs> was trying to do it in the 80s like it it's, yeah. it's very disturbing and it, it comes back every once in a while we see it that's and, what this is part of well it. but see part of this it. is this is kind of the thing i think the p has sort of moved now into this uh, this this idea of granting the child sexual autonomy, and it's coming in this form of you know trans rights. But really, what it yep. is, it's sort of grooming us as a culture to get used to this idea that children have this sort of sexual autonomy. Because if you can consent to things like changing your gender and and going through that that whole process, why, of course, you yeah. should be able to consent to sex that, too. That's where this seems to be going, and, and right. that's you know that's what scares me about this whole thing is it just seems to be like a, you know they're using this trans rights thing as another you know like a Trojan horse to bring mm -hmm. in this whole pedophile craziness. Oh, Guys, what is gender identity? Can you tell me? <sighs> it's a BS concept that's made up so that, you know, I, I, my, I guess the idea is ostensibly that your gender identity 
is not necessarily correlating one-to-one with your biological sex, which I don't really believe. But there was this guy, if if you've ever heard of John Money, who's this pedophile in the the mid-20th century, but he came up with this idea of segregating your gender from your sex and that your gender presentation can uh, differ from your biological sex and that you know we should affirm the gender identity of the individual in question to help them you know get along in society or whatever with the best possible chances yeah so john money invented the word gender as we use it today it used to just be used linguistically right and there's a really good documentary people can watch if they google bbc and john money they'll find it but uh there was a couple in winnipeg canada who gave birth to two twin boys. And at eight months of age, these boys went to get circumcisions. And the device malfunctioned and basically burned the penis right off of one of these little boys. And the mom saw some advertisement on TV about this guy, John Money, doing his research into the fields of gender. And they got in touch. And this was like the perfect experimental child for John Money to test out his theories on. And what they did was they raised this little boy as a girl. They castrated him completely, gave him a girl's name, had him grow out long hair and dress like a girl. And he experimented on these boys. He had them doing sexual things to each other, even without the parents present in these yearly appointments that they had. But long story short, this was a total disaster. Both boys ended up killing themselves as men. But it's from this guy that this whole concept of gender, as we use it today, sprung out of academia. And we'd all be better off if we'd never even invented the term. There wouldn't be no such thing as gender dysphoria. There would just be people with different personalities. And yeah. none and of these problems would exist. You, know? you don't hear them telling that origin story either. You don't hear any right. of these. these well, they uh, don't even know. These people have no idea. They don't. I've had probably 6,000 conversations, guys, on wow. the street. So I've heard every objection there is a thousand times. And there's only about three objections. <laughs> it's always the same thing. It's kids are going to kill themselves if you don't let them transition. Patently false. Uh, I would encourage people to go to a website called statsforgender.org and enter suicide in the search bar. You'll find everything you need to debunk that. Or you can go to my website as well. I got a bunch of articles on there. The other thing is that puberty blockers are fully reversible. And so there's, there's the only truth in that is, sure, if you give a kid puberty blockers for three months and take them off, yeah, puberty is going to resume. But in practice, what we know from gender clinics stats themselves, like the Tavistock, at the Tavistock, 98% of the kids who started on puberty blockers went on to take the opposite sex as hormones. Wow. And it's the combination of these drugs and hormones which are leaving these kids sterilized. Yeah. And we talked a little bit before we came on air. The president of the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, Marcy Bowers, who is a trans woman or a biological male, has even admitted recently that all of the boys, every single one, who started on puberty blockers at the early stage of puberty, none of them have ever been able to have an orgasm. Wow. So they're taking away the sexual function of all these kids as well, turning them into eunuchs. I mean, this is... Oh, oh, by the way, by the way, WPATH, that organization, now wants to consider the category of eunuch to be a gender identity. Oh, jeez. This is brand new as of yesterday. Interesting. These people are nuts. Of course they do. They want to make it a protected category so you can now claim eunuch rights or whatever. 
It's yeah. just it, they, they have this like formula and it's very indicative to me, at least, that the people behind this have severe personality disorders and that they do not have the best interest of children in, in mind and that they use the language of compassion weaponized in order to manipulate and coerce and pressure as opposed to having an open, genuine dialogue about the data, about the research, about the facts with experts in the field. And then, you know, hashing out what is the best way to go about this thing, you know, and, and we talked about, we talked with Dr. Mark Changizi yesterday, or the episode should come out uh, today, I think. Um, but we talked about the precautionary principle and for folks that are offering or that are arguing in favor of this gender affirmation, uh, you know, combination of puberty blockers followed by cross-sex hormones, followed by eventually surgery. Uh, it's on them to prove that this this pathway is a safe and effective medical treatment for the situation uh, of having dysphoria and dysphoria symptoms. And they haven't done that. And in fact, the more data that we see come out, it seems like this is the exact wrong way to go. And uh, it, it just blows my mind that more people aren't talking about it, and especially young people and young women, because... How long it. have we been on this planet as human beings? Oh, like yeah. three hundred thousand years, something least, like that. Yeah. Probably. Guess what? All through all all these thousands of generations, every single human that ever existed went through puberty. There was no epidemic of suicides. Yeah. Right. Ever, but now in this tiny little blip in history, oh, we're going to give kids synthetic pharmaceutical drugs. That's going to cure all their problems, and if we don't, they're going to kill themselves. Well, this uh, is the most disgusting, weaponized suicide lie. It's just gross. Yeah, on the it's point, disgusting. But people buy it, and they, the average person who doesn't have the data to support their argument, they don't know what to say. Because what are they yeah. going to say? They don't want kids to kill themselves. But right. we literally have these so-called gender doctors telling parents that you have two options: you can have a dead kid or a trans kid. What would you prefer? So they're coercing parents to go along with this too, if the parents have rights, which they don't even have in a lot of states now. I want to make another note just on the point of how old humans are and, you know, we can find evidence of us thousands of years ago. Well, interestingly, paleontologists can tell right from bones and they dig up in the earth that are thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. They can tell the difference between a male and a female skeleton. So that's right. There was a story in the New York Times yesterday about an ancient tooth that was found and they're able to tell that the tooth belonged to a girl. Yeah. So suddenly the New York Times realized that sex was binary yesterday, but they'll go back to forgetting that today. <laughs> it's true. Ooh, don't get me started yeah. on hating the New York Times. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's that's like one of my favorite, favorite hobbies. It's just my point is it's it's something that is literally it's in our bones, down to our very bones is how different men and women are. And look, I'm not saying we're not similar. In fact, we're actually more similar than we are different but those differences in the way they manifest between us matter <laughs> they do matter and and they are very clear this is not something we can deny and this is the thing it's like these people who are radical about this stuff and there are exceptions you know there are trans people like blair white we mentioned who they don't have this idea in their head that they are the opposite sex that they are appearing to be they know that they are putting on a, a form of appearance to appear that way they're not and they don't want us to play this mental game with them of pretend where we must see them as what they are appearing to be that is the difference between people like blair and 
the crazier types who just they want you to play this game of pretend you must see them in your own mind doesn't even matter anymore if you use the correct pronoun if if they know you're not even seeing them as what they want you to see them as <laughs> that's the thought crime like you are canceled you know well and I, I think for a lot of these these people too especially the predatory types um what they do is that they intentionally make themselves unappealing physically and then berate you for not being interested or attracted to them. This is one thing we're seeing a lot on Twitter now in the, the gay, you know, gay Twitter, gay conversation spaces is that uh, we have females who are identifying as men or trans, you know, as trans men claiming to be gay and sort of break, trying to yeah. break into the gay space. And trying to pressure us gay men, other, you know, actual gay men into sleeping with them or basically telling us that if we don't want to sleep with them, that we are, you know, we're transphobes, we're bigots. It's we're funny all... because we've come back to like old school homophobia. Whereas yes. if you, if you're a homosexual and you don't want to have sex with a biological You hate woman, women somehow. You like, are, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Or that we hate women. It's not it. We don't hate women. I, I love, love women. Because they aren't, they aren't women. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're men now. Yeah it's 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 crazy man and you know like like chris mentioned this is something that seems to be more prevalent amongst girls now so we're seeing a huge increase in this activity that you're describing brent and gay men being shamed for not wanting to have sex with someone who might appear boyish but sorry doesn't have the parts that we find sexually attractive which is the point of being a gay man <laughs> you know like so guys i have a question for you I, I just spent a couple days last week in WeHo, West Hollywood, the the gay region. We There's know. like a couple blocks there. It's Never West Hollywood. There. It's it's totally crazy and wild. Um, a drag queen dented my car, slamming his door into it by accident. Oh. But anyway, I got a ton of hate there, and I was interested to go there because. I'm just interested in kind of figuring out what percentage of the gay community is on board with gender ideology. Cause it's hard to tell. I have a lot of gay and lesbian supporters online, but those are just the people that support me. Um, and I got a ton of hate there and most of them just didn't want to know. And I'm sure there's a, there's a lot of silent people that aren't saying anything because they know they're going to get shouted down or whatever. That's but what, how many of your friends or people in the gay community would you say are on board with this gender ideology? Because it was overwhelmingly negative against me when I was in WeHo. So it depends. Like if you're if you're gonna go to a spot that's like a mainstream culture type gay area, like a gay bar, or you know, like if you're in New York City, you're gonna go to the down to the Chelsea area or whatever. Those are all gonna be your typical woke, lefty, liberal type of gays, and you're not really gonna find the gays who say are more moderate independent or lean right or conservative hanging out in places like that typically um so i think that's part of it it might be harder for you to go out on the street in a place like that and to find the type of gay person that you're thinking of who might be less likely to frequent that area so well right. and in in our friend circle most of so like we actually lost i lost yeah. most of my gay friends we during the pandemic period because we were very outspoken against the lockdowns and maintaining this uh sort of perspective that the pandemic was being overblown in order to you know bring about all these totalitarian measures so we lost a lot of our friends who didn't agree with us um at that point but a lot of the friends that we've made since then um, and a lot of uh, a lot of the gay friends that I have, especially that aren't in, you know, New York, 
uh, are much more against this whole idea, especially as it comes to children. Most of the gays that, that I know are more of the mind that we should not be pushing this onto very young children. Um, and that, you know, if, if an adult wants to make that decision, that's another matter. But uh, that yeah. seems to be like where I'm at now. I'm not, we're not exactly what you would, you know, consider your standard gays. We're not moving around in a lot of gay circles. We don't have more gay friends than straight. Yeah. I was not involved in a scene. Brent, when he was younger, definitely has experience in. I definitely had experience in the New York city scene. That I scene, had a lot, I had yeah. a lot more gay friends. It's interest, in past. Interestingly enough with me is like, I didn't grow up having a lot of gay friends and actually I have, more gay friends now who are these awake type ones who agree with you know our perspectives here mostly met through the internet <laughs> you know meeting through twitter and stuff and just from the show and speaking out about the things that i've been speaking out about so i've actually gained more gay friends but that's just my case you know my, my case is a uh, unique but um i don't know it's I think part of it has to do with what you mentioned earlier in this way that the trans rights movement is now piggybacking on the good grace that the LGBs have earned in rights over time. And I'm not saying that there weren't people there in the beginning at Stonewall who may have had dysphoria, but look, at the time that all that happened, that was not a common thing yet. Um, people love to bring up Marsha P. Johnson. Uh, Marsha P. Johnson was a trans uh, vestite. So, and this was the term they used at the time. Drag queen. Drag queen, dressed as Gay a woman, man. dressed often <laughs> as a woman. And they tried to use this person and say, oh, well, look, you know, a black trans person helped start the riot at Stonewall. One, there is no evidence that the first brick was thrown by Marsha P. Johnson. That's one. Two, Marsha is on tape. You can look this up on YouTube. On tape saying, jokingly, you know, how people will mistake him for a woman sometimes, or, you know, he'll get with a man, then the man finds out later it's not a man. And basically saying, I'm a man, like he is a man. He never identified as a woman and never felt he was that. I mean, maybe he felt womanly and that was why he dressed that way and stuff. But I think it goes back to how gay, his, gay rights history and all of that is taught. And I think there's a sort of guilt that the mainstream woke gay types have where they feel well we have these rights now and the trans people helped us fight to get them so now we have to like include them in all of this as if our fight was the same as if our experiences and conditions and stuff in society were the same and they have not been so well i'm going to be going to some pride parades this year wearing my signs <laughs> oh, coming up well definitely I'm going to definitely. the san francisco pride and I might come to the New York City Pride as well. I had looked up the dates. I've forgotten it. But if it works out and if I have, if I can afford it, because I'm struggling a little financially right now, but I'll take care of that. Uh, I'm going to start going to these parades because these used to be gay pride parades. Now they're kind of anti-gay pride parades. There was a man in, in Manchester, England last year wearing an LGB t-shirt, LGB alliance. And he needed a police escort out of the Pride Parade because wow. he was getting mobbed. Yeah. And this community of all communities needs to learn the truth of what's going on because trans rights are not the new gay rights. And so, you know, I'm just a dad on a mission and I don't care about the hate I get or the abuse. And there's going to be lots of police and security there, so I'm not too worried. But I'm going to go do what I do and we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, yeah. Pride Month is June, so it's coming up in a couple weeks. And yeah, it's a whole month now. They don't just do the parade; they do. Like well, a wait, here. guys. Yeah. I'm in Canada. It's not a month. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> what is it? Just, like, <laughs> Justin Trudeau changed this last year. Oh, it's now Pride season. It's season. June, That's July, right. August, and September. It's four months in Canada. All right, so let the me cult just, leader in Canada is this guy named Justin Trudeau. So he this is, is the cult leader. This is a thing, too, I wanted to say, and it's right. to the allies. So if you're one of these woke allies listening, and by allies, I mean the, the straight people um, who want to help us. Stop doing this crap. It is not helping us. It is embarrassing. Stop making songs and stuff and, and stop stop making these cutesy little videos for children. They don't they don't need to see that crap. Stop. Just stop. Stop walking around with dog gimp masks on in the street with parents and stuff around you. Like go take that yeah. to your dungeon and, and do that in your dungeon. That's fine. You can do that in your dungeon, but uh, people are going to say something. And not all of us are going to align with that. That does not represent all of us. Stop it. It's there embarrassing. Was, uh, <laughs> we don't article. need you to coddle us either. That's another thing. We don't last need to hold year, our hand. Last year in the Washington Post, there was this article called, Yes, There's Kink at Pride, and I Want My Kids yeah. to See It by Gross. this uh, – this actually autistic woman who uh, is married to a, another trans woman. They have two kids. Um, but she wrote this long meandering article talking about how she wanted her children to be exposed to things like furries and, uh, you know, like human puppies and all this kind of craziness because it's it's normal and it's Div okay. Diversity and acceptance and stuff. And it just blew my mind. I made this whole uh, video about it on my, my old channel. I had a channel that was a solo channel and it got nuked and, and wiped off of YouTube because I, I would frequently freak out against you know the extremes of the LGBT uh, craziness, especially as pertains to children from a gay perspective. But this was one of the things that I just, I, it blew my mind that this was published in a major you know publication and they were, you know, right there, just pushing it on to kids as if it's perfectly okay for children to see the most, you know, who knows what's going to be at yeah. Pride. Like, it's just, it's crazy. And they're going to bring it back every year and they're just going to keep hitting on it. So I think it's important that people, you know, go out and present the opposite perspective. So if you come to New York, we will definitely meet you out there. All right. I'm going to we'll, meet the bodyguards. Yeah, we can even, you know, maybe we can get a couple. I've got extra signs. I've got lots of extra signs. Totally. Perfect. Let's do it. If you guys are coming out with me, I'm. If I can come, I'm coming. Yeah, if you can make it, we'll be there for sure. Um, All right, I'm going to consider this a promise, and I'm going to hold you to it. No. I just hope they don't break my arm or leg. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. They better not it's just try. A bone. Bone heal. <laughs> it's fine. I got my. Yeah, I got my arm broken by a traffic cone of all things. Yeah, that's um, guys. I was going to ask you if you had some good stories because I'm sure you already do. Yeah, so oh my gosh. maybe talk about that event a bit. Like, what led up to that? You said it was Antifa. Like, how do you know? Yeah, well, Antifa. black block, whatever. They're all masked up, wearing hoods, and so they they had the black block uniforms. Yeah. On. Okay. Yeah. What city was that in? Montreal. Uh, okay. Montreal. Okay. That was March 12th of 2021, and I was on St. Catherine Street, which is the busy street in Montreal for pedestrian traffic. It was 7 p.m. on a Friday night, which was probably my mistake. But uh, I didn't know they had this larger Antifa contingent in Montreal. That's kind of the their headquarters in Canada, I guess. But it was a premeditated attack. Five or six people came, including one woman. One woman. 
And I didn't know they were coming until they were about two feet away from me, and I got instantly punched in the face. Uh, one guy pulled off my sign on my front. Another one simultaneously came from my backside and pulled the sign off my back. One dude took the sign into the street and stomped on the body camera that was attached to it. What did uh, what did that particular sign say? That day I had children cannot consent to puberty blockers. And I think the other one was probably gender ideology does not belong in schools. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. These are just like the most like bland yeah. sort of just basic yeah. statements. Yeah. I can see what so, first one is very obvious to me wrong. The second one is the one I think they would be contentious with and be like, what do you mean no, gender ideology? They just go crazy. Like, yeah. They just go crazy. Yeah. The, the sign I wear the most now is the puberty blockers ones because that's my main message. And I've got one that that's the definition of a dad, which like is a one. human male who protects his kids from gender ideologies. That's a good one. Yeah, that, was cool. that one gets me lots of love and hate. But uh, yeah, a, a few guys took off right away. I think they jumped in the car. I'm not sure. I was getting punched and stuff. But uh, I was mad that I lost my body cam and I wasn't going to run from these guys because that's just not in me. So I pulled out my phone. And I started backing away down the sidewalk while filming them because I wanted to get their images for police because these people need to be arrested. Yep. Of course, police didn't even bother to investigate. But uh, a guy picked up a traffic cone, and he, one of those big ones, and he swung it at my head about four times. And I blocked it with my left forearm each time. Okay. But the base on those things is pretty thick. Yeah. And so I think on the second blow, it broke my arm. And then a guy came along with a mustard bottle and he squirted me all over with mustard, which wow. I do like mustard, <laughs> but not on my head. <laughs> oh, anyway, man. and then uh, they just walked away casually laughing about it. That's crazy, dude. And an investigator called me, I think, 27 days later. Some police that night had reviewed my footage and they reviewed one of the business's CCTV footage. And so they saw the whole attack. And I should probably do a FOIA request to get that footage if I can. But um, 27 days later, the investigator called me. He just was starting. I said, you better hurry up because you're going to lose the street footage. And he called me a few weeks later. And guess what? He'd lost the street footage. They don't want to find these people. Yeah. Because my message is politically unpopular. I've been arrested twice after getting assaulted as well. But um, yeah, so he told me if I can't get them a name, there's nothing he can do. And obviously, these people are known to police. People who go around just assaulting people with premeditated attacks and are part of Antifa, they go to all these Antifa events. So obviously, they're known to police, but they don't care. And I actually have a mediation with the Vancouver Police Board coming up in a couple of weeks because in October of 2020, again, the local anarchist community in Vancouver wouldn't let me walk freely at the Vancouver Art Gallery, which is this huge public square. That's ironic as hell, too. Oh, you're an anarchist, but you won't let someone walk free. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, there was some event going on. They all circled me so I couldn't move. I walked over to the police because there was about 20 of them there. They said I was instigating. I literally was just standing there. I just walked off the sidewalk 10 feet. I had a sign that day that said gender ideology, ideology does not belong in schools. And I had one on my back saying I love J.K. Rowling. And so police said I was instigating. They weren't going to do anything. Second time I walked off the sidewalk, my phone got knocked out of my hand. I picked it up. I walked back to the police. All this footage is on Twitter, by the way. And uh, they again said I was instigating. They weren't going to do anything about it. This one police officer told me that this is a safe space. Wow. I, th I, and I was 
I, I was new to would... activism. I'd never been to a protest or anything in my life. Yeah. I didn't know that that was code word for safe for them, <laughs> for not them. safe for me. <laughs> and so anyway, I said I this one police officer, are you telling me I can't walk freely in Canada because I'm wearing signs? He says, I'm not telling you anything. Have a good day. This other guy says, this is a safe space. So I walked 15 feet off the sidewalk again into this public square. People were swarming around me. So this one guy who's a union head for the BC government employees union, he came and hit me like this kind of up here. And instantly I was grabbed from behind by police, handcuffed, taken to jail, charged with causing a disturbance. <laughs> and the conditions of my release were that I couldn't walk on all these streets in the middle of downtown Vancouver. So for six months, all winter, freezing my ass off, almost every day I was out there um, just talking to people, winning every day because I'm letting parents know what's going on every day. So I'm always winning. I'm happy about that. I'm getting more exposure now, which is great. But my bread and butter is just my street conversations. And six months later, the Crown Prosecutor, which is like your state prosecutor, finally looked at the charge one day before my court hearing and they threw it out. So then I was free to walk in Vancouver again. Wow. But uh, yeah, it's totally crazy up here, guys. It's crazy everywhere, but Canada's just lost it. I think you are correct in that they don't want to find these people. And it may even be worse than that. They may even be covering for these people to some extent. Because mm -hmm. it's yep. just, it's it's nuts to me. And, you know, I wonder, I don't know, have you reached out to other people? I don't know, not people like you, but other people who may have been just assaulted by these types of people, Antifa, Black Bloc folks. And have they ever gotten any traction on a case against any of these folks or <laughs> have any of them been convicted of anything in Canada? No. So I've gotten to know lots of people like the street preachers and stuff. You know, when you're downtown all the time, you see all the same people. They arrest street preachers just for preaching the gospel, um, which I think is outrageous. These guys are doing nothing. I mean, you don't have to believe in their message. They have yeah. every right to say it. But yeah, the, the police up here in Canada, they've they're not doing their job. In Ottawa, I got mobbed by 200 university students. I got punched in the head twice. I was painted on, spat on. They keyed my car, all in the presence of like 10 different police officers who did nothing but wow. just watch it. That's crazy. It reminds me of uh, what they call, a, I think it was called a struggle in Maoist China. China let me see. It's sort of like that. Not... I guess not as organized in a sense, but they were these sort of formal shame sessions. I don't know if you've heard of these before. Yeah, the struggle sessions. Yeah, they would like basically parade the person through the street and for formally shame them. People would spit on them, all this sort of thing. Because yeah. they had- Yeah, like in Game of Thrones. Yeah. yeah. Yes, shame, shame. <laughs> no, it seems so like- Kind of what they're trying to do to like to, to to you, Chris, is they're trying to to you know impart some sort of sense of you know danger. They're trying to they don't like what you're doing, which I think is great because that means some of them over the target. I mean, I've I've had police calling me probably fifty times, and normally they're they're great. Depends where you are. The Vancouver City Police are a little different than the RCMP across the rest of the country, but again, it depends on the police officer you get. Some are jerks and some are great, but um. Yeah, I filed a complaint about that that arrest I just told you about. Mm -hmm. I filed a complaint with the Human Rights Tribunal, same one that Jessica Yanov filed his waxing his balls complaints to. Excellent. <laughs> and I said that the Vancouver police was discriminating against me based on my gender identity. Yes. 
<laughs> and the Human Rights Tribunal only hears a very small percentage of the cases, but they've agreed to hear my case. Oh, excellent. So I have mediation with the Vancouver Police Board on June 9th. Oh, congratulations. And if they want to pay me a bunch of money to go away, I might take it. But I'm also happy to go all the way to the tribunal and get media and all that. Yeah. Huh. We might have to do a follow-up episode then after <laughs> after that. Well, yeah, somebody will definitely be interested to hear what happens. And then especially if you come to New York shortly after that, that'll be interesting. But yeah, it's very fascinating. It's crazy. Do you have any other, like, what have you, so you've gone around Canada and you said you went to WeHo. Have you been in any other uh, cities in, in the States besides? Uh... Yeah, just in the last three weeks, I've been in New Jersey, Philadelphia, hey. Times Square. I went to Brown University for a few days in Rhode Island. Oh, I just got back from California a week or two before all those trips. I was at the University of Washington for four days. I've been to Texas. I'm going to Florida in July. I'm going to San Francisco. I've been to San Francisco before. I've been to Sacramento. Been to Hollywood before. I've been all over the place, but I'm focused on the U.S. now because I get way more support down there. Where did you People go? People are actually fighting this. There are organizations fighting this. I went to Washington, D.C., and I met with about 40 different people at the Heritage Foundation, people who are fighting this all over the country, political types, lawyers, journalists, awesome, amazing people. So I'm well-connected now in the States, and I'm also helping out a group called Moms for Liberty, which is a group that formed in January of 2021. Tiffany Justice and Tina Deskovich are the co-founders. They were both school board members. And in just 16 months, they now have 90,000 members in about 190 chapters across the U.S. Nice. So I'm going to write speeches so those moms can go to school board meetings and raise hell. We got Because I don't want to do all this by myself. I never did want to do it by myself. I just had no choice to do it by myself in Canada because there wasn't anyone else coming alongside. But it's very different in the States. Yeah, that was, I was going to ask you, when you go out, Do you? is it generally just you yourself with the billboard? Like all solo? In Vancouver, or? usually. When I travel, there's always a few people that come out. And uh, I don't know, it's like a preacher in his own town doesn't get the support or something. But I do have a lot of support in Vancouver now. And I used to, it's just most people don't want to come out on the street, right? They're not going to do that sort of thing. But I do have a ton of support. Um, I managed to get the People's Party of Canada to take a formal position against gender ideology. They're the only... They don't have any seats in government, so they don't have any power. But Maxime Bernier, who runs the party, received 5% of the national vote in our election last October. And so he does have some influence. And even though he's not in parliament anymore, he used to be a conservative, but he left because the conservative party's a joke. He's almost like the official opposition. He's the only one who has spoken against the mandates, the lockdowns, gender ideology, sterilizing children, all that sort of stuff. So... Yeah. My sport has grown a lot. And when I was at the trucker protests the first two weekends in Ottawa, it was incredible. It was almost like half the people there uh, recognized me. They'd see me on some podcast or on the streets or whatever. It was incredible. And that's sort of the circles I run in. I get it. You know, half the broad population wouldn't know me. But in those circles, it was really encouraging because it shows that the work I've done has really paid off. Yeah, we we were keeping up with that protest when it was happening. Um we were watching Viva Phrase streams a lot just to, you know, just to get an idea every day of how things were progressing there. And we also had a protester, just a normal guy, you know, Canadian, who was there, come on to the show and talk to us twice. So the first time uh, he talked to us right from his, his car. So he came in his car. He wasn't in a truck. 
um, in Ottawa. So he talked to us while he was in the middle of it. And then the second conversation we had was after they cleared the protests out and all of that. And he got arrested. And so he gave us like some follow-up details. What was your experience there in Ottawa? Like how, how many days did you go down there? What was it like? Did you, did you go at the beginning? Did you go when it was cleared out? Like, tell us. I was there the first two weekends. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday of each of the first two weekends before the emergencies act kicked in, which is the war measures act that Mm -hmm. Trudeau enacted. And then he took it away before the Senate could vote it down. He's such a little weasel, but, uh, no, it was amazing, man. It was super peaceful. It was beautiful. Tons of families. No violence whatsoever. Oh, it wasn't a bunch of crazy right-wing Canadian Trumpers. These are a bunch of normal people. Now, I've seen all these freedom rallies because I've been out on the streets since early October 2020. And they always walk by me. I've spoken at a bunch of them. And there are some people who are more extreme at these rallies. But as time went on, it became more and more and more mainstream people. And yeah, that's what these protests were. These are people that just want to be able to leave the country. <laughs> get on a plane, get on a train, yeah, simple get on stuff. a boat. It's not even a complicated thing when you think about these it. These are nurses who lost their jobs. You know, it's totally insane up here. But it's funny because I did get a shout out from Justin Trudeau. He didn't name me, hmm. but he did say in a tweet, that there was a disgusting display of transphobia on the streets of Ottawa. And that was me and four or five of my friends, all who had signs. And then there were some articles written internationally even because it's really funny. There were these articles written about uh, the second weekend I was there, this counter protest formed. So there were about 300 counter protesters a few blocks away from the main thing, all wearing masks, of course, outside, because that's what they do. And so I thought, oh, this will be fun. Let's go see the counter-protesters because I know they'll hate me. Because in the social justice movement, you're not just a trans activist. You're in favor of lockdowns and you're in favor of the vaccine yeah, and so all we, this stuff. We dis- it all goes together. We discussed this on our last episode, actually, how the the yeah. woke ideology kind of fused with the new normal mandate save people from COVID ideology. That. Yeah. Yeah. I... For, guys, for the first year, 99% of the abusive comments I got outside out of a 1,000 were all from people wearing masks outside. If people aren't wearing a mask, I never worry. And if it's a big, strong dude, I never worry. Because I've never met a guy who can do more than 20 push-ups who's against what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, man, that is accurate as hell. I'm not joking. That is accurate. I'm not. I believe you. Yeah. Believe you. It's no, the I'm Starbucks just... baristas and that that might be against me. One just called the police on me in Providence because I was outside his store happening yeah. to have a conversation by two oh people who stopped me. They're cowards. But anyway, this, I went up to this counter protest. There was 300 of them. I stood across the street. There were about 30 police there. And they all started chanting, trans rights are human rights, <laughs> which is all they ever do. They, all, they only have mantras, right? That's all they do. They can't have a conversation. They just chant their mantras. But some of the international media there didn't know that it was because I was across the street. So you have all these articles written about these crazy activists at the trucker protest who just spontaneously started chanting trans rights or human rights. They didn't realize there was an, an actual, you know, impetus for that being me, but it's funny anyway. They didn't want you they, they didn't want you to be the story. That's what it was. Well, no, well, some of them didn't even know I was there, I think, because maybe they, some other publication wrote about it and then some of these journalists are lazy. They just yeah. start 
writing stuff. But. They're very lazy. It's a big problem. But no, none of the masculine men I ever have a problem with. If they can do 25 push-ups, I know I'm good. So I don't worry yeah. about a thing. Antifa is a different story. Those people are just out to... Yes. Well, they're, they're, they're cowards too. That's why they attack in groups in the way that they do. Like one on one, if you were to challenge any of them one on one to a fight, they're all cowards. They would never fight any of us. Like, let's but here's it. the thing, guys. And I'll tell you this one more story. So, in December of 2020, a man came from behind. I was in Vancouver and he punched me in the side of the head. Oof. It stunned me for like six or seven seconds. I actually had a flashback to when I was in grade eight and this boy named Peter Pawaga had sucker punched me in the hallway. <laughs> it like sent you, sent you back to... My brain went right there. And then I kind of snapped out of it. And these two young guys pointed out this dude. Um, I think he's a gay man or maybe he's trans. I'm not sure. But he was standing at the crosswalk like nothing had happened. And so I was pissed, obviously. I'd just been assaulted from behind, little weasel. And so I went to get his picture and he started to run. So... <laughs> I was not in the mood that day uh, for taking this sort of heat. And the first few months of my campaign, especially, were just insane. Online, in real life, everything just totally mental. And I was tired of getting assaulted. And I said to myself, no, I'm not going to let this guy get away. I'm allowed to do a citizen's arrest in Canada. And this guy needs to go to jail. <laughs> so I ran him down <laughs> with my sign flying behind me like a cape. <laughs> and my sign in my front, you I'm know, my like, arms kind of going to the side of it. I'm and this guy wasn't in great shape, so I caught him pretty quick. <laughs> and I didn't want to hurt him. I didn't want to trip him. And I just thought, well, if I push him into this wall, that'll break his momentum and maybe he'll fall down and then I can keep him here. So I did. I pushed him. I gave him a single push into this wall. I bounced him off the wall. He fell down, went boom. And then I walked away to de-escalate. I waited for the police to come. And the police arrested me, of course. <laughs> of course. So I got put in jail. I got booked and fingerprinted and all that. I hadn't even laid down in my cell when the door opened and they let me out because the guy had admitted on camera to punching me and they reviewed the CCTV footage. They did say I pushed him a little hard. But, <laughs> hey, he you know, freaking deserved it. I'm just yeah, saying. he went to hospital and apparently his arm was fractured. But oh. anyway... Maybe oh. don't go and punch people when they're not looking. Or just don't punch yeah. people, period, if you're not getting attacked. Yeah, so. but, you know, I don't want violence. Like, that's the last thing I want. Yeah, totally. I just, I was tired of getting assaulted. And sometimes you got to push back. But anyway, that was December of 2020. Fast forward to the very beginning of March, right before my assault by Antifa in Montreal, which broke my arm. I get a phone call from the Vancouver Police Department. This is three months later, two two and a half months later. And they're threatening with charging me with assault causing bodily harm stemming from that December in incident. And so I talked to a lawyer. He said, Chris, don't go in. Don't give them the statement. They're just trying to build a case against you. And I vowed right then and there, early March 2021, I'm never touching anyone again because it freaked me out. I don't want a criminal record. I want to be able to take my kids to Disneyland. You know what I mean? Right. And so... I just said, okay, from now on, I got to be like Gandhi. And I just, I have to take all the abuse and I'll do it with a smile on my face. And so when you do what I do and you're out on the street all the time, you run all these scenarios through your head. So when these five or six people attacked me in Montreal, I never said a word. I just took it. I tried to film them. And that's my approach going forward. So 
I'm not giving people a free pass to assault me, but it's just the way it is. I'm, I'm not allowed to push back or I risk getting arrested and charged myself. Yeah, they they flip it on you. They make it seem like you're you're the bad guy. And again, yeah. we see we see that pattern consistently when it comes to these people. They are in this constant mode of flipping around the victim and the aggressor, where they are the aggressor, and then they play the victim, and then accuse you of the very thing that they did. You know, like it's it, you see this all this pattern so much, and it just blows my mind how often it kind of comes up again and again. Yeah, and and it also it goes to show that these people at their core in their hearts are authoritarian that's what they are they want to force everyone to think the way they think to accept this gender ideology to accept these practices being done on children to accept it and you have to and if you don't they will force you they will physically harm you they will use the law against you even so well, that's the, the message that's where we are that now they are willing to deploy violence against yeah. anyone who doesn't line up with their ideology yeah you can't even question it forget about just outright disagreeing with it you can't even ask questions about it if you ask right. questions about it you're harming people you're erasing them you're you're <laughs> leading to kill you know children killing themselves and all these other crazy accusations when you know that's what they're doing they're flipping it around. They're the ones harming kids. They're the ones having kids kill themselves. You know, talk about the detransitioners. Why don't any of them ever do that? Why do they act like those numbers aren't as high as they actually are, that there aren't as many of them as they act, as there actually are? Go listen to their stories. Go talk to some of them. Yeah, it's bizarre. It is crazy. Right. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Chris. Uh, are there any other points or stories you want to relay before we wrap it up here? Any final thoughts, final messages to people? You know, everyone's so afraid of speaking about this, but easily more than 90% of the general population, and I say this having more experience than anyone in the world talking to people about this issue, easily more than 90% of the population will agree with our stance as soon as you're able to have any conversation about this at all. They just don't know what's happening. So we have to talk about it. And if people are against you and they're in favor of sterilizing children honestly who cares if you lose a friend yeah do you want that person as a friend is the question right so yeah but most people like all adults over the age of 25 almost all of them are going to agree with you it's the younger demographic under 25 primarily the females um because they're weaponizing their empathy you know and i get it i get where they're coming from and so when people say oh kids are going to kill themselves you don't want to just be like this and fighting with them, you can find a point of agreement with them. You can say, okay, so it is true that children struggling with gender dysphoria have higher suicidality, and it is true, but it's in line with kids who are struggling with other mental health conditions, such as anorexia, and it's not true that there's this epidemic going on of suicides. So if you can agree with people, find a point of agreement, it lowers the temperature and makes them more open to having a conversation. If someone's hostile, the first thing I'll say, and I'll just leave it at that, is that I'll say, first of all, I don't think we should ever put these kids in some stereotypical box. If a girl's more masculine, if a boy's more feminine, wonderful. And they get so confused because I'm supposed to be this bigot against gender nonconformity. So that confusion is, is great. That's already a really successful conversation because now you've created this cognitive dissonance where there's these two competing ideas going on in their head and they're gonna have to go home and figure out what's true because it doesn't make sense to them. What is this guy's position? 
and they might actually start doing some research. Mm. But for the average person out there, way more than nine out of 10, they're going to agree with you. No one wants the kids getting sterilized. No one thinks all these boys should grow up to be anorgasmic. They just don't know that it's happening. And so because none of the media will report on this, it's up to us to have these conversations. Yeah. And if I can just plug my website and ask for a little help. Do it. Totally. Um, I quit my career to do this. I got no money coming in. So I do have a lot of supporters, particularly parents all around the world who help limit my losses. But if people are able to support me in any way, I do have a donate button on my website, which is billboardchris.com. It's entirely through the help of people like you that I'm able to travel around and have all these conversations. So thank you so much, guys, for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to have two friends in New York City now. And if I can, I'm coming to New York City Pride for sure. Yeah, no, we'd love to. And we'll we'll have you sit down and we'll do a, a proper episode in person as well. But look, we, we, co we commend what you're doing and we understand how difficult it is to to come out openly about this stuff and to really discuss the details of it you know because we're doing that too and we know other people who are doing it and you you get heat for it it's it's not without cost so anyone listening like if you want to donate help chris you know and if you want to donate to us help us to like have these conversations more importantly have these conversations even if you can't donate a dollar to people like us having the conversations maybe go out and have them yourself you know, have them. And if it's not on the internet, have them in private, have them with someone in your life, you know, who you That's can at cool. least talk to about this. Because the more we can spread awareness of how extensive the problem is, like you said, Chris, just how widespread this really is, that it's not something that, oh, you know, like the media is trying to downplay it. Like, oh, it's not as bad as they're saying. No, it really is. It is as bad as we're saying. The more people we're realize saying. that maybe we can start to turn the tides a bit, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely just, you know, speak, you know, with just one person about these issues, you know, just one little comment. If you're not, you know, outgoing, uh, this is not something, you know, everybody can be out there and, you know, like be out on the street like Chris does or have a podcast like we do. But if you can just make one other person aware of the extent of this problem or, you know, bring the awareness to, to just one other person, it, it helps because that's just one more person that has the awareness that didn't before. And if we're going to resolve this issue in a good way for the future generations of kids, we got to have more awareness. You also, you have, you have support, you know, you're not going to be alone. when you talk about these things, if you get, you know, hate for it and all of that, you have people who support you, people like us, gay men, you have trans people, there are trans people out there who agree with this position here, who don't think it is right to be pushing this stuff on kids. They will be, they will support you. Chris will support you. So look, you're not alone in the fight. Come join it. We welcome you. <laughs> all right. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, do all the things. All the things. And check out Chris's website. And we will be back again with another one, guys. Thanks so much for joining us, Chris. Later. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Peace out.